Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Supernatural Circumstances, the podcast where we take you down the rabbit hole into the fantastic world of the strange, the paranormal, and the unknown. I'm Morgan Knudsen. And I'm Mike Brown. It's time to dim the lights and settle in. Come along with us on this week's adventure. And this week, more Bigfoot. More Bigfoot. Yeah, we're continuing our conversation. Yeah, we're, we're talking to Ron Moorhead. And, and Ron's been around for quite some time talking about this particular topic. Which is uh, awesome. Yeah, and what I love about Ron's expertise is that he had such close encounters with these things when he was researching in the Sierra Mountains. Mm -hmm. And he's got a a very unique and special angle. And I think it, it came from having encounters with them that were so up close, first person, and... Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing what he's what he's uncovered here. Yeah, some people are are uh calling people like us who talk about uh the quantum connections to things crazy because they're so stuck in the material. Uh but Ron's most recent book, The Quantum Bigfoot, comes from his 45 plus years of researching this phenomenon. So, you know, it it seems like the people who are more uh versed in things tend to start to head toward this particular direction which is fascinating to me yeah absolutely and i i think the way it's coming about and the way people have to think about this subject as well as you know the world and themselves is that everything isn't lumped into categories of physical or non-physical you're mm-hmm. either spiritual or you're physical and right. I think when people begin to re-examine that, that paradigm and that dynamic, when you start to realize that everybody has a non-physical component, our world really is non-physical under a microscope, mm-hmm. you can start to accept this a little bit easier. Yeah, well, I've got a book for you to read. Uh, you know, I, I send you books and all that kind of stuff, but I've got another one for you to read. It's called uh, Biocentrism, which is really kind of fascinating, and it... it it digs into this, but that's for another day. Let's talk to Ron about Absolutely. his Bigfoot stuff. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. 
Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Ron, this is such a wonderful opportunity to have you. So first of all, thank you so much for being here today. And I, I can't wait to get this conversation started because I've been dying to talk to you for, for a while. So welcome and thanks for being here. Well, thanks for asking me. I'm looking forward to it also. Yeah. <clears throat> well, right. we've got a, a lot to go through and a lot to talk about because, uh, you know, Ron, you and I, we've chatted a little bit in the past and, and we've been on the, the same page with so much. Um, it, first of all, tell the audience a, a little bit about uh, your history with uh, Bigfoot before we get into the nitty gritty of this. Just maybe talk a little bit about um, the Sierra Sounds and, and your claim to fame. Well, I guess if I have a claim to fame, it would be the Sierra Sounds. Yeah, I, I, in 1970, uh, 71, actually, when I, me and some of the hunters, uh, with this hunting camp eight miles in the wilderness, and uh, these things start coming around the camp. And we started uh, taking tape recorders up, and they returned, and we started recording their chatter and their vocalizations. And 1972, we took in a uh, investigative reporter uh, sent to us by a uh, uh, linguist, Ivan Sanderson. Who uh, asked Peter Byrne if he could had time to investigate it, and Peter got a hold of Alan Berry, who was in California, and he came down and interviewed us, and we ended up taking him in in 1972, and he was actually looking for a, a hoax, but couldn't find that, and he started recording the same thing we were, and he ended up uh, uh, actually fostering the sounds on the studies we had done at the University of Wyoming, and uh, different places he seeked out a lot of. Uh, professionals trying to get some attention, but he got uh, booed out because they thought they was trying to, trying to pull their leg or something with this phony Bigfoot stuff, you know. But anyway, he finally got a hold of a Professor Curlin at the University of Wyoming, and he did a year-long study on them. I'll just want to know, is there any, anything at all wrong with these? Because he gave me original recordings, and he was a sound engineer, a PhD in that field, and he, uh, he said that it represented uh, an animal, at least one part of it did, eight foot tall, and that um, they go outside the human range with their vocalizations, and they're also inside wow. the human range. So uh, it wasn't until 2008, I think, when a cryptolinguist from the Navy uh, got a hold of him and by accident, and he came all the way out from Missouri where he was teaching school at the time. He was retired from the Navy and uh, interviewed us and got the context to talk that he could study him because he thought a little sample he saw it, uh, heard was uh, his... Uh, his, he thought it was language, and that's what he was trained to do in the Navy was decode or not decode, but if a code was a language or if it was a type of message from foreign governments or something like that and and uh, determine. And if it was a language, he could determine that and he could transcribe it too. And So anyway, uh, that was a big hit too. I didn't know a guy like that existed because he, he came back and said, these things have a language by the human definition of his language, which is which is sapiens talk like we're talking. Then you get into Brown University where Dr. Lieberman was, and he said that uh, uh, he said that only humans, only humans, only humans have have a vocal mechanism for cognitive speech like we're talking right now. 
to me, that puts uh, puts another dot in the puzzle I've been looking at for 50 years, and that's these things that we were dealing with in Sierra Nevada Mountains of California have a human component to them, um, and that is language. That's very, very important, I think, that we understand that, because once the government finally told us that uh, UFOs are acceptable to believe in now, we can believe them, right? Right. Or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put the alien uh, intervention into, and that's right, well, way, way back into the uniform text and the uh, Anunnaki and all that, which is a Sumerian uh, mm-hmm. language, first written language, as you probably know. And uh, anyways, Mesopotamia and a lot of languages came from that. So I was raised religiously and I knew quite a bit of scriptures in biblical terms. But uh, that puts a whole other twist on it. I mean, it, it corroborates a lot of things that you've been conditioned to believe, but then it, it straightens you up on some things that you were taught that was true or that isn't true. And it uh, kind of got me into opening my mind up and a lot of the trips I've made to into South America and into um, uh, Russia and Siberia and Nepal, uh, just to look into the subject matter more and what's going on because uh, there's more going on with what we encountered up there than just a classical ape running around the woods. That's what most people believe they are and that's what they want to accept right now because I had a cousin one time she said, you know, if these things are out there the government would tell us about it. (laughs) That's a funny thing I've heard I think now that I look back on it. But yeah, the government, if they can't control something they either make fun of it or they hide it some way. They don't know what to do about these beings because they are out there. They know they're out there. Uh, and so they can't acknowledge them because they, they don't know what to do with it. It's going to change gonna change how history is written. Yeah, we we saw that example with the Phoenix Lights. Uh, uh, the gover- oh, the yeah. governor at the time brings out, you know, some guy dressed like an alien to make fun of things. And, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly how things are dealt with. If we don't understand it, let's poke fun. Uh, because if it exactly. if if it challenges everybody's paradigm of reality, then that's going to get very problematic. Exactly, and this does what we're dealing with now does challenge everybody. I think everybody's coming out of the woods a little bit and and looking into things that they realize they can't really trust what the government says. Uh, just they lead you astray. I mean, we believe that we think there was a weather balloon out there, in 1947, right? But there, there are aliens here. They've been here on this planet. I've seen evidence of them, South America, quite a bit. And uh, just, uh, you know, what they've done to the, the genome of different species, uh, I think they've manipulated them. And that also stands true with the biblical text. It also gets into the Kunukum text and the Mesopotamia. And uh, they've, they've been manipulated, uh, some type of species. And I think we've been manipulated. I mean, we were always like we are now. Something made us like we are. And you can say God or whatever, but that's something messed with the troglodytes, the caveman, and and they've also shortened our telomeres so we can't live as long as we used to. Stuff like that has happened, and it's just really interesting to look into it. But I encourage anybody just to open their minds up when they get into this subject. Otherwise, uh, it's like a parachute. If you don't open it, ain't going to be any good. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's it's so true. And it's it's interesting here in in Alberta because what I've noticed, I was having a conversation with a, another investigator friend of mine the other day, is that now the forestry services here have been using Bigfoot within their advertising, 
and not in a way of ha 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 that's Bigfoot but they've been including Sasquatch in the sense where they'll say uh, this is this is everybody's home including Bigfoot and then Bigfoot is in the ad and it I thought that was so interesting and now I've seen probably mm. five or six different advertisements uh, in this way it's it so like you were saying at the beginning how it, people are really seeming to I don't know whether it's becoming more acceptable or people are coming to the terms that this is at least there. I, I don't think they've gone as far as maybe this conversation is going to go, but I found that really interesting that it's become something that is more publicly discussed. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like aliens. You can talk about them now too. You couldn't do that a few years ago without getting laughed out of the classroom, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, more and more Bigfoot are being seen. And, uh, the more people see them, and I mean, we're talking about thousands, not just hundreds, they're being seen all over. And uh, so you got the skeptics say, well, why don't they find one then? They think they're just like a, a ape out in the woods or something. Well, they're much more than that, from my experience, at least the ones I dealt with, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them are the same way. Uh, they, they're able to do things that uh, we have not evolved into yet. I don't think we were shortchanged by our creator. I think we we probably have a lot of things that we just haven't evolved into yet with our cognizance and our, I love that perspective. That's, that's fantastic. Was there a moment in this for you, whether it was during the, the Sierras or, or something else, was there a moment when you thought, okay, this is the moment that I think there's a non-physical component to this? <laughs> well, no, actually during the seventies, we never considered anything like, like we're talking about now, <clears throat> other than, Later on, we wondered, why wouldn't we see them more often? Why didn't we, you know, they were right outside our shelter yet. You couldn't, couldn't catch them hardly. I mean, I only got a glimpse of one once, and my daughter saw them three times, so that was unique. But, and my friends have seen glimpses of them. Al Berry never got to even get a glimpse, but he was, he lived quite a ways away from us, and he couldn't get down there as often as we, as we went. I was probably just over 100 miles from our camp, and I went up there every chance I got. I was going to get somebody to go with me, and, there wasn't an aha moment until I started researching um, where giants come from and, and really got into it uh, a few years later after all this was this close end stuff was going on. But we knew something was strange because we'd, we'd hear our camp being torn apart and look out there and nothing had changed. Well, how do you explain that? And we couldn't explain a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Al Berry, the investigative reporter we took in, he had a master's degree in science. He said, don't talk about this strange stuff, you know, the orbs and different things like that you see, and uh, just don't talk about it because people think you're crazy. Well, I talk about it now. I can think I'm crazy if I want to. Yeah, right. <laughs> more and more people <laughs> Good for you. don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> Not quite into me being as crazy as I was because too many people are experiencing the same thing. Yeah, I know for myself, we... In, in Alberta, we've got a, a lot of Sasquatch, a lot of sightings. I mean, we've, we're really a hot spot here, like in, in BC where Mike is. And the one thing we have a lot of as well is is the dogman phenomenon. We've got a, a lot here and whatnot. And the number of times, I've not seen a Sasquatch, but I've seen dogman a number of times. And what I've noticed about them, which really pushed me into the non-physical side of, of this, was the the... I had a number of sightings where I ended up quite close to them within a number of meters and I could have reached out and touched them. Like this was so solid 
I mean, you could see his fur, you could see his ears, you could see, I mean, the details in his, I mean, this was so, so solid. And yet I've had other encounters where these things have just disappeared into what I can only explain as smoke. Like they've just gone. And that was the shifting moment for me where I was like, if I'm watching this with this phenomenon, then why not? Sasquatch because, and then I can completely understand why the people that see them are like, no, this was solid. This was their flesh and blood. I, I get it. I get their argument, but I've seen the other side to this. So it's, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. I think when, until somebody does see something strange around these things, they're not going to get into that area. They just I agree. Think they're flesh and blood. No matter what, what you say, you can't, you know, <laughs> I can just say, well, you were delusional or something like that, but they're not going to agree with you on that until until they have a personal experience. And uh, yeah. they probably never will because the frequency is all screwed up, I think. Until you get the right frequency, probably not. Absolutely. That's what I really want to get into today with this is, is that angle of it is that I mean, we, we all take a very parapsychological approach to this and this idea of of what we are perceiving in the world. Mike, you and I, talk, we talk about this so damn much on the show. Yeah, every every um, show. Every show is that there is there's these um, frequencies, these emotional frequencies, these, uh, you know, being ready to see something. And that idea that when you're aligned with something, that's when something manifests. And we see this in, in uh, the like hauntings and, and paranormal phenomenon all the time. Is, is, is that your take on this too, Ron? Is that this is something that once you're aligned with that frequency, you see the manifestation? Yes, absolutely. Uh, everything, according to Tesla's energy, frequency, and vibration, we are at our most minute level, our energy vibrating at a frequency. And even Einstein said, if you find the frequency of anything, you can change its matter. So how do they disappear? We only see within 430 and 770 terahertz. That's our frequency range for our eyes, and that's created by light. And and that's light's frequency. And once things get out of that frequency, you're not going to see it. And I think a lot of people, well, see these things, and they know they've got to be just flesh and blood. But I'm writing a whole chapter about flesh and blood only right now because nothing is, that's living is just flesh and blood. And we all have yeah. our... our energy body, you know, our, our etherical, our spiritual soul, so to speak, consciousness. We have those things that uh, other animals don't necessarily have. And uh, anyway, uh, there's two parts to us. And if we get on the right frequency, I think they can mind speak to you. They can You can see them if they want you to. But they do go out of your perception, our visible perception, which is as a frequency range. And uh, what happens to them then, I don't know. I have a theory that they go through the fourth dimension of time and they probably reside in the fifth or sixth dimension now. Either that or they go into a cave underground. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Maybe some do both because I don't think they're all the same. i got to say that up front because they too many too many different stories about these things all over the world that I've discovered. And they just uh, they don't have the same attributes. They don't act the same way and most of the time they don't even look the same way except they're hairy and big look like a big ape I think it's important for people to realize that uh, what we dealt with in Sierras other people have dealt with too because I've heard people say we've heard those sounds just like you recorded and I've uh, but then you get these other people that they're going to throw rocks at you or something but 
anyway, it's uh, it's very exciting, this whole field. It's a good time to be living, a good time to be alive. I think we're in a special time of this risk transition no it's true like uh, you just said it what i've been thinking a lot lately what a time to be alive there's all this stuff happening in regard to uh you know uap disclosures and and uh, people being more willing to look at things it's my my brain is just leaking with all the information that just keeps coming to me and i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to take it all on board and uh I don't. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. Well, you know, yeah, but we're yeah, gonna try. Exactly. The more you learn, the more you got. To, you know, there is to learn, mm-hmm. and uh, it just keeps going. Uh, when you start looking into it deeper, it's a big rabbit hole. I got <laughs> it certainly it's, is. It's a classical. It's a classical world that we live in—a three-dimensional environment. And once you realize that either dimensions are frequencies, once you get out of the third-dimensional environment, things are different. And according to quantum physics, uh, there are other, several other dimensions going on. So what happens in those dimensions? Well, time don't exist as we perceive them. You know, later time is just for our third-dimensional environment. But it's created here for us. We're a very special race of beings on this planet. And we've been given dominion on this planet, not not domination, but dominion. And it's a, it's a very special place that we live on, and we're destroying it, and that's sad news there because all these wars and all this stuff going on where people are just hurting each other mm-hmm. the only way you're going to really get into a higher frequency for yourself which you can do is through love and compassion and, and caring about other people and when you start hurting other people that's when it goes against you when your vibration oh, goes down gosh, yes. so these guys walk around the woods with guns thinking they're going to get the money shot one of these days uh i think they have nothing coming yeah yeah. Well, here's an interesting story uh, to back that up because um, a, a couple of years ago I was doing workshops out in the field with uh, a, a couple of uh, investigators and we were looking at this. There's a number of areas in Alberta that are very similar to Portlock, Alaska, which we can talk about later. But it, and we were we were going out and I was I was explaining to people why these some of these readings were coming out the way they were and. Uh, and the one aspect of these trips were the dogmen. They were there and cited by the groups often. And the one night was really interesting because they were there almost every single night. And the way I would prep the groups before we would go out is we would get them into this place of, of, of allowing of joy. They were excited. They were happy. And every single time something would be seen. The one night we went out, we it, the the wooded area in which we were we were holding these workshops was absolutely dead quiet that that energy just wasn't there we never saw them it was just really strange and when we got back uh and the the group eventually left and so on and so forth we found out that the one guy that was in the group was actually carrying in his in his cargo pants this gigantic hunting knife and it was the only time that we that that ever happened, and it, it kind of freaked us out because we realized we were like, man, we're gonna start searching people before these workshops. But, um, but it was it was really interesting. But it was that night that one guy and his in, intention, I think, absolutely kiboshed the entire thing. Hmm. And it was like hmm. wrong energy, wrong intention. We're not coming, and we saw nothing. Well, I think these people can read the energy. They can read the energy from that person. 
If he had in mind he's going to take one out with a knife or something like that, they would have read that. They could have. Yeah. So I think they read your aura, and we all have that going on around us. It's our energy frequency, our magnetic field. And really, yeah, if this guy had, if anybody has the wrong intention when they're out there, they're probably not going to have anything happen. There's a lot of dogman stories going on, and I didn't realize that till I got back here on the East Coast. And I just spoke at a conference down in Tennessee where I had so many dogman encounters. It was really, that was a topic more than Bigfoot. <laughs> and, it's it's uh, so fascinating. I think they say, well, do you think dogman could exist? I said, absolutely. If Bigfoot can exist, dogman can exist because aliens mess with different species on this planet. And uh, so, yeah, in fact, they took me out to the lake, land between the lakes to show me where this deputy, where he saw one face to face and just, uh, you, you just believe him. And I'm supposed to be going down there again this month or next month one to take, they want to take me out again. They want me to have an encounter. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's what I found with, with them specifically is that they are so incredibly responsive, at least the ones here. I mean, the ones there might be a completely different breed, but the ones here respond so innately to joyful energy. And that's what has been the consistent factor for all my research here has been, has been joy. As soon as you've got somebody that's coming in with like, you know, fear or trepidation or anything, that's when these sort of negative responses start to come or they don't show up at all. And I, I'm, I think it comes back to like what you were talking about just now with that idea of, you know, raising your vibration into this space of, of love and compassion and whatnot. And that state of allowing in which this stuff then becomes accessible to us. And, and I think, I think that's where so much of this sits. And like you were saying, just these, these things just like our, you know, our physical animals here, they get it. I mean, they're so in tune and in touch, I think with, you know, their, their own instincts and that, that energy that we're talking about. I mean, how can you not pick up on it? Right. Yeah, they, they do pick up on it and, uh, uh joy and ha having a good vibe like that is, is one of the keys to the thing and not having fear. But once you start having that fear in there, that's when you want to carry a knife to protect yourself or a gun or something like that. And mm. it all comes about from fear. And fear is, is your only enemy, really, on this planet. Oh, yeah. Because it, yeah. it sends no, out I, a frequency out of your, out of your, own, uh, your own aura, which they'll see. My horse, when I, you know, animals see that, a horse will know if somebody's afraid to get up on it or not. And uh, most animals are in tune to that like that. And we are too if we just pay attention to it. But most of us don't. We think we live in a, well, we all live in our conditioned box up on our top of our shoulders. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I mean, I see it with my snake all the time as well, Galen. Um, you know, he'll, we'll have people over or whatever. And if there's somebody that's hesitant, he will not go sit with them. Uh, he just won't. You, mm. you have somebody who's showing him, you know, joy or he seems to you know think that they're in a good spot he'll he's he's over there in two seconds and he'll go and fall asleep on their lap you know <laughs> it's 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 so it's so cool um so let's let's talk about some of these sites a little bit because i think the 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 sites themselves oftentimes go by the wayside for for people talking about these encounters and i think the sites themselves have 
a, a lot to do with with what's going on in terms of what I've noticed in in my research. Have you found that as well, where there's there's certain places that have similarities between them where people are reporting this stuff more? Seems like it. Yeah. Uh, I used to say it doesn't matter where you're at. If you have the right intention, they're going to they can find you, and and really they can. But there's a, there's a spots on this planet which I think just has a magnetic draw to it, and uh, I think we had one of them there at the Sierra Camp, and still do. I mean, it's just strange things that goes on up there, and uh, it just yeah, you get like a 38 parallel. <laughs> That's where all yeah the, uh, yeah. Well, you know the story about that. There's just information about that anyway. Uh, pyramids and different things are lined up exactly on the 38th parallel. And uh, anyway, it's it's ancient stuff. It's really interesting stuff to get into this. I just got a book with uh, uh, who is it? Yeah, Matthew McCoy and Billy Carson on the Epic of Humanity. Can't wait to read it. It's gets into the uh, how things really are. Uh, through, through evidence that they found. And we're going to be, everybody's going to be shocked when they find out how history has to be rewritten. A lot of things we've been taught are just not true. Mm. And uh, it's just, uh, we've all been, we've all been conditioned and from time of birth, we've been conditioned to believe certain things and that's the way it's got to be and people are not going to get out of that box no matter what. But you just not have to when you're faced with facts. But a lot of people say, don't confuse me with facts. I've made up my mind. But it's not going to go there, you know. But uh, things are different. And uh, things are going to change on this planet before long. And uh, I sound like we a conspiracy now, don't I? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this is all written and it's all prophesied. And it's all happening just like, just like it's supposed to. But well, I'm not afraid because we all is going to happen according yeah, to yeah. energy, according to science, uh, quantum science, energy, which we're made of, cannot die. So that means we're just going to change forms according to physics. And if you're a religious person, you're just going to go to heaven, I guess, or go somewhere. But we all change. You know, this body is going to die, but the ethereal part of us will not die. It just goes on and on. So where it goes, oh, yeah. we'll find out. When we find out. Yeah, I don't want to find out too soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you got to actually, you got to enjoy all your experiences on this planet because that's what it's all about. That's why we're here to experience things and to learn how to respond to things. And we respond to, when we really respond with love and compassion on issues, everything. Just be that mindset. You will raise your personal vibrational frequency. You won't get sick anymore. I've been sick in ages. And things, just work out better for you when you're not being a victim of things. And so many people want to consider themselves a victim. And uh, when something goes wrong, they don't want. Well, no, that's like I tell my grandkids, don't, you never lose. You either learn something or you win. <laughs> never lose. And yeah. we're just here to learn. And the more you can learn and learn how to respond to things, the better you're going to be. You guys know all this stuff. I guess I'm talking to choir here, huh? Yeah, well, you know, some of our listeners uh, are are new to this stuff, so. Well, and I think they're new to this stuff in regards to this subject. Uh, you know, like uh, I think so many of our listeners are, you know, they're practicing this 
this type of thing and, and these, these practices throughout their life. But then when the, this side of things, paranormal or cryptozoology or anything like that gets in the mix, oftentimes there's a dividing line, I think with people between this and, and what's going on in their, in their life. And there isn't, there shouldn't be, you know? And I think, I, I think often we see people sort of going out and looking for things like Bigfoot and whatnot out of ego and maybe, and I found personally that going out with no expectations has really been the key that it's it, no expectations going just to be in a state of allowing of meditation, you know, which whatever. And I, I think, I think adding that ego in that's part of the, the detriment to this is, is the, the looking and the searching kind of puts us in this vibration of, well, it's, it's not there. And as soon as we're in that vibration of it's not there, I can't see it. We manifest more of not seeing it. I, I think so. It's it's almost like a catch twenty two. I, I don't know. What do you think about that, Ron? Yeah, I think you're right. And according to physics, too, nothing is real until it's observed. That's part of your head around. Yeah, which we, we talked our, about that in our our last show, actually. How you know the the whole idea of the the slit experiment with uh, in quantum physics? Mm -hmm. How you know if you're not observing right. light, it's a wave, but when you do observe it, it's a particle. Yeah, right. That's hard to understand, but it's a fact. Yeah, but light yeah. light is our it's 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 well it, to me it's it's our it's our, uh, I don't want to call it God, but it's it's kind of, the Bible says God is light. And the light beings are what the Anunnaki were. They were light beings. They were uh, shiny ones. What Satan was called a shiny one. Um, they were big. Uh, wow, there's just so much going on that how to get your head around it all. We've all been misled and misdirected for most of our life. And then all of a sudden, this door opens up. You see more light over there. Oh gosh, happen. yeah. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. Okay. Oh, I just I I couldn't agree more. I think um you know oh. this it, it's it's interesting to me with with the these locations and I've had the same experience that you've had where with you set the intention and it doesn't matter where you are that these things will show up. I've seen them quite close to my my own place and in places that I did not expect. I did, you know, I, I thought for a long time that I had to go to a certain place and I've realized that's not that true, but I found at the same time that there's been these really interesting geological similarities. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've talked pretty extensively with, uh, some of your cohorts from, uh, the show Alaskan killer Bigfoot and whatnot. And I've had some, some interesting conversations with them and what I found out in regards to, to that site and as well as a bunch of them here in Canada is that there's a really interesting dynamic of these places that seem to have these rolling electromagnetic fields within the space. And what I've been able to trace them back to has been uh, the, the makeup of the land itself. So the uh, most of these places seem to have a volcanic history to them which means there's oftentimes like there's quartz underneath of that often when you get when you get these these sort of spikes of electromagnetics and coupled with the the volcanic land underneath and i found this to be really interesting where people that are i receiving like or able not really receiving that's the wrong word but 
uh, picking up on these these different things like the camera batteries dying, uh, people feeling sick, um, you know, seeing things out of the corner of their eye, feeling like they're being watched, all of those things, which is really typical of of high electromagnetics um, in in a space. There's it's interesting to me that these cryptids seem to be often within these areas. Like I have not heard of one of those areas geomagnetically where these beings haven't been seen. And I find that's a really fascinating thing too, that like, I, I wonder if there's something about those spaces where it's either, I don't know, putting people in the right vibration to see them, or maybe there's an attraction to them. I, I don't know, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm puzzled by that. And it, it, it's very, very, that's, that aspect of it's very interesting to me. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I Good. <do> believe, yeah, <laughs> we've stumped you. <laughs> stumped you, yeah. Because I, I keep seeing it. In yeah. a, we, we have, because we've got a number of sites very similar to, to, to Portlock, Alaska. And for those of you who have not seen Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, you can get it on Discovery+. Plus. It's a fantastic show. Um, and Ron is in episode four. But it is a fantastic show about the this Alaskan site of Portlock where it was said that... Sasquatch had gotten incredibly upset over the fact that the land was being overfished and logged and settled and it and it ended up allegedly killing a lot of the citizens of of Portlock in a pretty gruesome way uh but there to me what was was really interesting about that case specifically um is that I I noticed so many similarities tying into other sites like uh uh, uh Bray Road in Wisconsin um there's a number of places here in Alberta that are very, very similar and have all of these various aspects of, um, of these, these, this weird geological makeup. And yet we also see Dogman and Sasquatch, uh, which is, which to me is just really interesting. So that's, that's the aspect of, of this that I, in my own research, like that I really want to explore because I think there's, there's something to that and it's very easily testable, but I think there's there's something else going on, and it has to do with it, our planet. I think our, our planet itself has something to do with this. It's it's really really fascinating to me. So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. But yeah, people who haven't seen Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, download it. Yeah, when I talk to those guys on Alaska Killer Bigfoot, I, I suggest because I flew over in a helicopter before I landed there, and uh, I've seen where they've been really heavily timbered years and years, probably in the. 40s, you know, and the trees were growing up, but there were some that were still taller than others, and so I told them, I think, probably just, you you know, you messed up with, they were overfishing over, over timber, and they were also mining the area, and uh, I said, the best thing you can do is, if you want to rehabituate this place, it's just respect it, and uh, imagine if one of these things come turn out of the woods there and said, hey, I'm screaming at him or something, 12, 15 foot tall, something like a hairy monster, they'd have shot at it. And that would have probably, you know, pissed it off. And it would probably would have torn apart. Uh, that's what I thought. That's what that's the only recommendation. Because they they took me up there as a quote unquote Bigfoot expert, which I don't think I am. I just know a little bit more than most. But uh, anyway, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed meeting those guys. They're all real people. You know, they really do want to know what's going on. And something did go on. So I really do think that there's. There's some type of entity up there that uh, that they ought to respect because it doesn't like you tearing up trees. I'm writing a whole, I'm writing another book right now. There's a whole chapter on trees, how I 
over the years how I've talked to so many people that's had encounters when they were either cutting a tree or they're around the clear-cut area. They really have a problem with us messing up the planet like we are cutting the trees. I think the trees are an energetic form for them. And, uh, of course, without trees, we, we wouldn't breathe either. So it's, it's, it's works for both of us. Trees are important to them. And uh, that started off with me years and years ago when a guy came to me and had a Bigfoot sighting not too far from where one of my businesses was up in the mountains there. And he, he said, all I was doing was cutting a log up and seeing this guy sitting there watching me and no one's supposed to be around his property. So he put his chainsaw down, started walking over towards it and it stood up. as well, Bigfoot and walked behind a, a bush. He said he seen the, the head of it go behind the bush and the bush he figured when he got over it was seven foot tall. So this thing was big and he was like a Paul Bunyan type guy. I mean, he's married to a local Native American and he didn't talk much, but when he talked, he listened. And he just, uh, he was so sincere. And I thought, well, wow. And, okay, that was one of my first ones about them cutting trees a few year, years ago. Just trees are very important. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not, but I just know there's been a lot of reports around that. Trees. And I got off, I get off on the subject pretty easy, so you just got to, <laughs> but no, the, the tree, the tree thing is, is really interesting. And, and I think you've, you really hit the nail on the head with, with that case specifically, because when I, when I was watching the show and talking to, uh, you know, a lot of these, uh, like Kyle and Ash and these people is that what I found was, you know, it was, it's so easy to be able to go into these areas and, you know, think, well, we have to take our land back. You know, and and that was kind of the attitude I think that that's, that some of them went in with was was we just have to take our land back because Bigfoot took this, and I I couldn't help but feel throughout that in, that entire thing is that Bigfoot in that sense that that entity what you know whatever Nantinuk was is that it was never ever given a voice, and when it wasn't given a voice the the encounters just I mean they escalated things just got worse. And, you know, when it did try to speak, it was immediately shut down. Like you said, it was shot at, it was, you know, just, just, uh, just told to be quiet very, very quickly. And I, I couldn't help but watch that and see the two sides of pain that that story held. And it wasn't just, you know, these, these poor people that lost their loved ones, um, and in, in throughout that situation in the 1940s, but also prior to that, but also the, the, what I saw from Nantina, which seemed to me to be hurt, fear, and frustration. And I always thought that was just an element that Ron, you touched on in the, in the show, which I thought was so important is that the understanding of, you know, whenever you see anger, hurt, fear, and frustration is usually underneath of it. And, you know, especially for, for something like this. And I just, I thought your part in the show was just so incredibly important. Thank you. Yeah. I, it's all I knew to say because from what I've seen and the history that I'd read about it, because what happened at Port Lock is undisputable. I mean, it did happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a matter of record. So many people say, oh, well, there's nobody around really that's seen it because they're so long ago, but it did happen. And, uh, Anyway, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. Uh, I hope to go back to Alaska again this summer. Um, there's some guys are trying to get me to go up there. They're, they're running a dogman a lot here, and they want to go to Alaska now and check out things. <laughs> I 
I go with them. So, but uh, I got some places lined up up there, which uh, should be exciting for them. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, th I think with your your guidance in in terms of the energetic part of it, I think I think really that's the key with so much of this stuff, and uh, is is what we've been what we've been talking about. Do you think? Do you think as we move forward in this field um, that people will start to realize that this is partly an inner search for for this? It's it's not as much of an outside thing. Because I know in parapsychology, that was the lesson. I mean, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And that was my lesson is I started out in this, you know, search for external phenomenon that I thought was completely out there. And I realized so much of this has to do with me. This is this is my work that I get to experience on an, an external level if I can do the work. Like do you think that this is partly an inner search for people? I do. Yeah, you have to yes. That's very good the way you put that. Very well done. Uh yeah, because we're all looking for something outside of ourselves and you realize what you are inside. That's what you're referring to there. We, uh, is that what you're talking about? How yeah. We need to yeah. Cells inside. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I get into that too. Is the, the pina gland, how you listen to the oneness that we all really are. And that has to be connected to the heart, which talks to our brain. Our heart is our gut feeling. And if we don't go by that, uh, our brain's law will talk us out of things. It has to be in coherence. That's why you do meditation. So you can rhythmically balance all those three components there in your, in your, in your embodiment. But um, that's very important that we get ourselves right. And it's going to help us all the way through. It's going to help the world. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, and, like, I mean, Mike, well, you, we not, we talk about this so often on, on the show. It's <laughs> we just, talk about it too much, I think. <laughs> we talk about it too much. The, the, this really is this reflection outwards of, of these manifestations, you know, and what we see. And, and I see this interestingly in hauntings as, as well. Um, and I've, I've got this program called teaching the living, which I've been I've taught in post-secondary and a couple of other, well, for years and workshops and stuff. And that is to get people to understand that our, where we are emotionally is what's getting reflected back at us. And it's, you know, all of the things that end up happening to us are there, they're reflections back about some sort of interstate that we've we've got going on and I, I i firmly believe this and i've i've seen this happen on like poltergeist cases and you know all sorts of stuff like that but it happens it's, it's every day like it doesn't have to just do with with the paranormal or hauntings or or things like that it's just there's so much that we don't understand understand or we are out of touch with um to our with our inner selves and then it manifests outside of us and we're going what the hell was that like, you know, this is being asserted on me and then we go into victim mode and, and whatever. But it's like, there's that inner search. What have you learned about yourself, Ron, that you didn't know when you started this? How much more we are as human beings, as a human race. Um, we're not just yeah. here today and gone tomorrow. We're, we're very important. And who we are and what we have the ability to do is very important. We just don't reach it so much. These things, I think some of them have been here. I say some of them because they're not all the same. I've been here since before Homo sapiens, and they've evolved more than than others. Uh, some of them have different attributes than others because something else messed with the genome of one species or another. And uh, 
anyway, I've learned that it's all about trying to make yourself better as a human being on this planet and uh, to try to get that point across to people because this whole planet's got a vibrational frequency too and it's changing now from one to the other. It's in a, I think someone said we're going to the stage of Aquarius, whatever that means, but that's a high frequency, good stuff. Things are going to open up. I think that's what the Mayan calendar was all about. Is, uh, uh, we're changing into another frequency and we're, we're all becoming more enlightened and I think enlightening ourselves with, with interesting stuff like, like what we're doing now. And uh, I, did you know who Paul Dirac was? He's a professor. He's dead now, but he got the Nobel Prize in 1933 for antimatter. This changes the subject a little bit, but matter and energy are interchangeable. And uh, people want to know how they disappear and how they do what they do. Well, they just know things that we, we haven't caught quite up to yet. But, yeah, we've got to search for it. And you're, you're right on target with all that stuff. Uh, it's just oh, that's fun. good to hear. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is yeah. the stuff that uh, really, this is where I have my interest. This is where my interest lies in all of this. Like watching the strife and that kind of thing that's happening in the world today and uh, trying to figure out what it means. Um, there's a lot of people in fear of what's happening right now, but it seems like it's a, for want of a better word, like a liminal situation where uh, we're in transition to something else and that sometimes can be painful and and even violent and brutal yeah that's what's happening uh well even abraham lincoln said you find what you look for yeah what's happening in the middle east and what's happening in all the world uh, it's it's frightful to a lot of people you know, is our economy going to drop out of the bottom what's going to happen and uh i'm not worried about it myself but i'm mm -hmm. in my 80s now so <laughs> i've had a good life had a lot of experiences a lot of a lot of excitement and and it's not over with yet or i'd be gone if that's what we're here for and until you've responded to everything well you're going to respond to it you're going to be here and i've accepted that so all about experiences your work is phenomenal and your book quantum bigfoot is stellar um anybody out there who wants to delve more into this this is the book like this is the one uh that you want to get it's it's so insightful with such incredible uh with such incredible uh stories and everything that you know you've not only experienced but the insight that you've placed within it i think is it's invaluable for the field going forward so i mean ron thank you so much and please tell people where they can where they can find you what you're up to and how they can follow you thank you yeah, i have a website that's ronmoorhead.com and I have a product page on there too, which actually they're they're working on that right now as we speak. I hope. <laughs> and uh, you can get my, my books are, or you can download the books or the CDs. Uh, I have uh, two CDs that I've uh, produced with the uh, Jonathan Drake's the Star Trek Next Generation narrates one of them about 40 minutes long. It's Al Berry's story, the scientist we took in, and uh, he he wrote it in uh, Jonathan Drake's. Uh, narrated the second one is my story and uh, i captured some really interactive sounds one night in 1974 that i feature on it and uh, i narrated myself they're both about 40 minutes long the books now the books are one of them is uh 
Voices in the Wilderness, and that's uh, my chronicle. And uh, it actually comes with a download, so you can download the sound that I get when I get to the when you get to the context and the story of what sound I'm talking about. You can actually hear that sound, and that's on a link that you can download. And uh, then the other quantum bigfoot is what I that you just was talking about, and more what where it led me, uh, what all this is leading me to, trying to put the dots together, and why I travel so extensively to try to find out more about all this stuff and. And then the book I'm coming out with now is called Bookfoot Unveiled, and it should be out uh, probably within a month. I've got it out of my editor's hand now and into the formatting. We'll see how that works out. Uh, it's just a little more extensive. It gets into more things, which I think... Actually, every time I wish I had it now, I could change it again. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep learning more. The more you dig into stuff, the more you... You find out. You know? That's the problem with a book. Every time, uh, you know, every time I've written even a chapter for a book, uh, it'll be published, and then I'll find new information every single time. <laughs> every yeah. time. That's where I'm at. Uh, yeah, every time. I know when I wrote my first one, it was like that. I just i pu- I published it, and now I look back and I think oh, I had I could add ten more chapters to this. I don't know what. <laughs> but thank God, because it means the, fem- the the field is advancing, and it's I think it's going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yes, everything is is heading the right way, and uh, I just gotta teach people to listen to themselves, listen to their own vibration, listen to their heart, because your heart is your biggest uh, helper. It's receiving from the oneness that we all really are part of. If we just learn to connect to it, and you do that through, I believe, the pineal gland, which is a receptor in your brain. And it feeds into the heart, like I talked about a few minutes ago. And that heart, it gives you that gut feeling that you should do a certain thing. That's what you should follow. And the biggest issue we all have is, is our, our conditioning that we've got in our forward brain. Mm. And it's got to be in rhythm with the heart. And it's got to listen to the heart and do what the heart says. And it's, it's called the gut feeling. And I think that's extremely important for people to understand because your, your analytical brain will talk you out of things, and it'll talk you to go one way or the other if you start thinking about something too much. And it'll just go by your feeling. <clears throat> that's, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> I think that's spot on. I, I know we tend, especially especially I think the, the younger generations and stuff coming coming forward, everything's become very much, uh, you, you can you can allow the 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 thinking mind to take over um, and it's, it can run you if you're not managing thought like a tool uh, to, to move forward and, and you're not in control and, and managing that, then you lose touch with that inner self and that, that, that inner voice, you know, when you've got all of this stuff mm-hmm. coming at you and no, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Mike, you and I work, we work on that all the time. Is Yes, <laughs> you know, we do. Working on it all the time and, and, you know, getting into meditation and making sure that we're, you know, we're kind of listening and, and creating that balance. And it's, uh, it's like you said, it's, it's so important. Ron, thank you so much for this conversation. This has been so incredibly enlightening. It's more than what I could have hoped for. And just thank you so much for being oh, here. Well, that's very nice. Thank you for asking me. It has been incredible. Very good. You're right on the spot with that uh, stuff you've been taking there. Both of you. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Absolutely. We will talk again very soon. (laughs) Thank you.
another great talk with Ron. <laughs> We've had other talks with Ron, but we couldn't record them because we couldn't get our uh, our recording situation together. So I'm glad we finally were able to have a conversation with him. Oh, me too. I was so looking forward to this, and it mm -hmm. did not disappoint at all. No. It really didn't. It's It, it just has fueled so many more questions for me and reinforced a lot of the experiences that I've had with different mm -hmm. sort of cryptozoological mysteries. Me too. Uh, it, it makes me think about, and Ron talks about it, dark matter, dark energy, and what exactly is this universe that we're in? Yeah, big time. And I think it, it brought up some really, really interesting questions too in, in things that haven't been explored in in my opinion properly yet i i think you know our our focus has so been on whatever these creatures are that things like the environment uh you know it, like environmental factors that are, are going into this haven't been researched and explored properly in in regards to some of this stuff so i think there's there's so much more that that we can we can push ahead mm -hmm. um, as long as people are having these conversations. I, I think as soon as we backtrack to, well, everything's either physical or non-physical, we're back to square one and we're not going to get anywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm really happy with uh, what I've been learning since we started this show because uh, <laughs> I just think, whoa, what, was my head ever in the sand, you know? I, oh, I really had my head in the sand about a lot of different things before we started the show. And I'm, I, I think I'm more open-minded now, but I have more questions than ever. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the way this stuff works. I mean, you know, we're struggling along, I think, in our physical senses, trying to make sense of a piece of a massive elephant, you know, and we've got mm -hmm. this huge elephant in front of us, but we've got a toe and we're yeah. trying to figure out the rest of the elephant. So yeah. it's it's really it's it's really a, a fascinating thing. And I I'm right there with you. Like the more the more I do this, the more I'm understanding, and yet the less I'm understanding all at the same time. Yeah, I'm I'm beginning to realize I'm never going to figure any any of this out. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think Ron brought up a, a really great uh, point when he when we were chatting with him, and it's the part that we can understand about what we're experiencing is our part. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what we have to focus on going forward is, you know, we, we might not be able to make sense of the macrocosm that's out there, right. but the relationship that we have to what we're experiencing, I think mm -hmm. is where the, the, the knowledge is, is really going to come from like that emotional response to the world, how the world is responding to our emotions. Like we talked about that with, uh, you know, with Bigfoot and with Dogman, where, you know, that setting that intention and then having that response come, um, that part of our relationship with the universe is something that I think that everybody can delve into on their own and have these experiences in some way, uh, and and learn learn at least about their little you know microcosm of of you know the elephant. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of into delving with a friend, so I'm really glad that I have people to talk to about this stuff because I have a funny feeling were I to be just digging into this stuff all alone without you know being able to bounce things off people like yourself and and Ron, I would be. Uh, a very lost little boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I think we all feel like that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy once you get into this stuff and then, you know, you go sit in a, sit in a room uh, my my dear friend michael and i we used to call them normies mm. the people that didn't like they're the muggles the people that didn't really i call them earth people <laughs> earth people i like that yeah. yeah and then you go sit sit in a room with them and you're going you know i can't talk about any of this and mm-hmm. yet that to me is where the deep conversations need to go and come mm-hmm. from so yeah. i can only i can only deal with the the normies so, so long and then i <laughs> yeah. i have to I'm like where's mike i have to get on the phone with mike <laughs> yeah i'm really looking forward to what we have next we've got some big stuff in the pipe so thank you dear listeners for joining us on this eerie expedition and remember the line between the natural and the supernatural is often a thin one until next time stay curious friends I don't know if there's even a line. We should probably change that at some point. There is no line. Yeah. (laughs) Who are we kidding? Supernatural Circumstances is a co-production of Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings and Good Egg Studios. This podcast is part of the Curious Cast Podcast Network. Theme music by Corey Johnson of Catalyst Records in Edmonton, Alberta. You can learn more about Morgan Knudsen at EntitySeeker.ca and learn more about me, Mike Brown, and listen to my show, Dark Poutine, at darkpoutine.com. Feel free to email the show at supernaturalcircumstances at gmail.com. Her name is Elspeth. Elspeth Tassioni. You know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee. Buzz, buzz. Now she's in New York with the NYPD. This is very different. Better. But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. You're trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? <laughs> Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.